Welcome to Move Forward Radio, a show featuring interviews with physical therapists and other healthcare experts. This program is brought to you by MoveForwardPT.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Learn how physical therapists can help people of all ages and abilities reduce pain and improve and restore motion to achieve long-term quality of life at MoveForwardPT.com. Welcome to Move Forward Radio. I'm Jason Bellamy. One of the wonderful things about physical therapy is its diversity, which is exemplified not only by the number of conditions that physical therapists treat, but also by the variety of settings in which physical therapists administer their care. Our guest this week represents that diversity. Andrea Vreskin is a physical therapist in Las Vegas where she treats the daring and dexterous performers of epic stage shows like Cirque du Soleil. In the following interview, Andrea takes us behind the curtain of these performing arts spectacles to give us a sense of what the performers go through, as well as her role in keeping them fit to perform. She also provides advice to parents of young dancers and acrobats who dream of someday performing on such a grand stage. A reminder that input from our guests is for informational purposes only and shouldn't be used as a substitute for treatment by a medical professional. Learn more about the benefits of physical therapy at MoveForwardPT.com. With that, here's our interview with Andrea Bruskin. Andrea, thanks for joining us. Let's start with your background and tell us how you got involved as a PT with the performing arts. Well, my first experience was when I got injured myself at college. I broke my ankle and they sent me to the physical therapy clinic and the physical therapist took into consideration that I was a dancer in my rehab and incorporated some special exercises with that. As a professional, I was living in California and reading through the PT Advance magazine, and there was an ad from Cirque du Soleil for a PT to live in Las Vegas and work backstage at the show and treat the performers. I answered the ad, and they flew me to Montreal to interview me, and I got hired. Next thing I knew, I was in Las Vegas for the first time in my life, learning to find my way through the casinos to the backstage of the show and meeting performers from all over the world. So at the point you took that job, did you really appreciate what Cirque du Soleil was? Did you see a show touring or anything? I had not. I had seen ads on TV and some specials on TV, but I had never seen a Cirque du Soleil show. And so one of my first assignments as an employee was to watch a show, and I watched Mystere at Treasure Island. And I remember I was dizzy to the point of vertigo after seeing that show. It was so overwhelming sensory-wise and very impressive. So in terms of what you were getting into, how shocking was that? I mean, you talked about your background a little bit as a dancer, and now you go to Cirque du Soleil, which is dancing and so much more. Were you prepared, in essence, for the kind of things that, as a physical therapist, you would be seeing in terms of what these performers are asked to do? I had actually done quite a bit of work at a college in Southern California in the athletic training room, and so I got to treat all sports injuries there, and that helped quite a bit. Working backstage at Cirque du Soleil is a mixture of classic physical therapy and on-field treatment for fresh injuries as they happen. And so training with the football team and the swimming team and the diving team was really helpful and came in very handy. For somebody who hasn't seen a show, can you just describe sort of the various different things that some of these performers will be doing? There is classic acrobatics, classic gymnastics, flips and cartwheels and floor exercise like that. There's trampoline, which just made its debut in the Olympics recently, but has been an international sport in Canada and Europe for many, many years. There's swimming, as in synchronized swimming. We treat the scuba divers as well. 
there's fire dancing, and there's circus artists who do trapeze work, contortion work, Chinese poles, which is doing tricks on a vertical pole, and bungee, which is where you're attached to a bungee cord from the ceiling and you dive off the ceiling and do lots of tricks in the air. That has to lead to a wide range of injuries, I would assume, everything from just sort of standard bumps and bruise kind of things to obviously more significant injuries, repetitive use injuries, all that kind of stuff. Does one kind of performer tend to get more injured than another? What do you see most commonly? I think the injuries that we see most commonly reflect the regular athletic population in that it's mainly sprains and strains. I would say the ankle and the back are the most common. When you have the hanging athletes, meaning trapeze artists who are hanging from their hands and swinging back and forth and doing flips and catching other people, you see a lot of unique shoulder injuries, especially labral tears. When you're treating these athletes, and they really are athletes all across the spectrum, is it the events themselves that they're doing that tends to lead to these injuries? In other words, are they sort of acute injuries, or they tend to be repetitive use injuries, or is it just sort of demand of the schedule that at some point wears the body down? I would have to say I have worked at two shows from pre-production on through two or three years into the show running. I would say when we're in the process of creating the show, eight hours a day of each person trying out new things and repeating things over and over, the repetitive use injuries happen more often during the creation of the show. And then once the show opens and they have a set schedule and they know exactly what they're doing, they know exactly what trick they're going to be doing every night, then we don't see as much of the chronic injuries. We see more of the accidental injuries. And what's that performance schedule look like once the show goes live? Well, Cirque does two shows per night, five nights a week. Other shows are different. I worked at Lion King for two years, and that was six nights a week. They did eight shows per week. So sometimes on the weekends they had two shows per day. During the week they had one show at night. Also, there's the Las Vegas dance shows. They used to go seven days a week, two shows a night. Now it's six days per week, two shows a night. So on a given day, how many people might you be treating? In a given day or at a given shift, which is about 8 to 10 hours, we'd see about three people an hour. And there's usually, for Cirque du Soleil, they have three full-time PTs backstage. And then how do you coordinate with the other PTs? Do you specialize in a given area? How do you share that workload? Well, we have a sign-up sheet, so the performers sign up for the time that works for them. If someone has a particular specialty like taping or a particular manual therapy technique, sometimes will funnel certain people towards them. And do you personally tend to specialize in any given area or no? I do specialize in kinesio tape and McKenzie technique for back and neck pain. Talk about the taping. I know, obviously, when you're dealing with these performers, they have certain costume restrictions and all that kind of stuff. Is that a challenge in terms of taping them either to fit into their costumes or to not make the tape show altogether? It is there are several challenges with taping. One is that when you're working with dancers or acrobats, they don't want their movement restricted. They need to be able to point their feet even if they sprain their ankle. And so we've had to figure out new ways of taping that are in no book and they don't they're not taught in any class in any school that gives the athlete or the performer the support to reduce their pain so that they can go and perform, but that doesn't make them feel imbalanced between the right and the left or that they can't get the power or the flexibility that they need during the show. The other thing is that certain tape is certain colors, for instance, coach versus leuco tape, but they have different characteristics. So I can't use white tape on anyone in the show because, of course, it shows too much. And we sure. used to try to put makeup on to make it skin tone, and that worked until they go in the water, where, you know, we can't use certain tapes in the water because they come off. 
so we ended up only being able to use one brand of tape, which is Luco tape, which doesn't have any elastic in it. So we have to tape completely differently because it could easily restrict the motion of the joint that we're wrapping, and that wouldn't be acceptable to the performer. When you're talking about performing through those injuries, it reminded me of the saying in pro sports that essentially the only day that you're healthy is the first day of the season, and after that you're playing through an injury. I have to think that that applies to the performers in Cirque du Soleil, for example, or any of these shows. How many of these performers are really performing through significant injuries night after night? Surprisingly few. They come into the show as very experienced elite dancers or usually Olympic-level competitors if they're gymnasts or trampolinists. So they come in very conditioned and very fit. I was constantly surprised by how few were injured to the point that they couldn't perform. Some of them have, you know, muscle tightness or slight strain from, let's say, from rehearsal or from practice, but they didn't have any trouble getting through the show. And then your role, obviously, is to help them stay that way. So how much of the work you do then is preventative as much as anything? A lot of it was preventative. In fact, when they're hired onto a show, we do a individualized physical assessment of each person and find out which muscles are weak. They may not even know which muscles are weak, but we find it and we give each person an individualized program to start with. And every couple of months, we reevaluate each person and update their program. And we often have a fitness coach on staff to help them with their workout out in the gym to keep an eye on their technique and to upgrade their programs as they need it. What kind of patients do these performers make? They all have what we call performer's passion. They are hugely motivated. Their lifestyle is competition. And they think less of themselves when they're injured, so they work very hard to get over an injury, and they don't want to let anyone down. They don't want to let the team down. They don't want to let the show down. They don't want to look weak or like they can't continue with their job. And that kind of motivation is spectacular to work with, but sometimes we also have to hold them back because they'll want to return to the show a little bit too soon, whereas we'd like them to heal a little bit longer before they go back in. So their motivation is a benefit, and and it can work against them at times. We did a series on concussion in which we discussed with various physical therapists and physicians that there are many athletes who suffer a concussion, but they want to get back on the field. And one of the challenges is to really think about, is it safe for this athlete to go back on the field? And when you're dealing with these performers, because they're so determined to get back out there, can you really take their word for it that they're okay? Or do you have to really analyze their physical condition to basically determine if you think they're in a position where they perform safely without further injuring themselves? We constantly assess them for whether it's safe for them to return to the show or not. But we also have to balance that with our mission. And our, and our mission when we're hired is to keep them in the show as much as possible. There are a couple of injuries where we are very conservative. One of them is concussion. The other one is the presence of a fracture. Aside from that, we do have a lot of options as far as treatment. Sometimes we can also switch what they're doing in the show so that they're not doing one specific thing that would make the injury worse, but they can participate in other parts of the show, and that's good for their mental status, as well as keeping up the spirit of the rest of the cast, so they're not missing a friend of theirs in the show. Have you ever had to deal with a performer who was almost too determined to go on? Have you ever had to experience that kind of athlete that just sort of essentially refused to listen to his or her body? Dancers are taught to work past the point of pain from a very early age, and it takes a lot of education on our part to reprogram them to work within their body's limits and allow recovery. And we try to reason with them and tell them 
that if they wait even just another day or even just another couple of days, then their chances of re-injury are so much less that they'll be much happier. If they go out and they re-injure or they, or they make the injury worse, we try to explain to them that they're going to be much more upset by that and regret their decision. Let's talk about those limits a little bit more. You have these dancers who are doing things with their body that isn't just extraordinary, but essentially is really extraordinary, really is beyond what people do. How often are these performers doing things with their bodies that really the body isn't meant to do? Well, these dancers and the professional performers that I work with in the Las Vegas shows, they've been training for decades to reset their normal to an elite level and to build and to shape what their body can do to what we would see as superhuman. But even in the earliest years of their training, I mean, basic things that they do like toe pointing and the high kick and even just the turnout that ballet dancers strive for, these force their bodies into positions that are not normal for regular folks. And this becomes their new normal. And when they get injured and they they can't do these simple technique skills that they've been working on for decades, it can be very upsetting to them. So at the beginning of a program, are you determining what the baseline is for every performer that you might treat over the course of the show? In our post-employment physical, we take measurements of all their flexibility and their strength, so we know exactly what their level is when they come into the show. And we do functional testing as well. So in the case of injury, we do have those records to look back at, compare them to. When you look at what these athletes do on a day-to-day basis and what they go through, I just want to know what the personal experience is like as a physical therapist who sees that up close. I mean, what's that emotionally like for you to watch what they go through, positively, negatively, et cetera? It can be emotional for several reasons. We work with a closed population, meaning that we work with the same 80 people or the same 50 people all the time six days a week, five days a week. It's the same cast. We don't see people from the public in our clinic. So we get to know them as friends and sometimes, you know, even as family. And so when they get hurt, it can bother us as if someone in our family got hurt. But by the time we rehab them and they get back to the show, I have to say going out to the theater and watching someone's first night back in after months of rehab, it's a very emotionally rewarding experience. I bet. How have you changed as a physical therapist as a result of being involved with these shows? I've had to learn to evaluate an injury in about 20 seconds and decide if they're safe to go back on stage. That's got to be major. It is. It's it's a lot different than having an hour to evaluate someone and and having labs or x-rays or diagnostics to look at. I have to make a decision immediately, and then because the entire show rests on that, and then I have to let the show staff know, and they have to rearrange things if that person can't be in it. There's no extra cast members, so it's beholden on us as the PT staff to make these decisions and try to keep them in as much as possible because the balance of the show can be very upset by one person being pulled out. How often does that happen, that somebody has to be pulled and it essentially throws the balance We have to hold someone out of the show probably between two to ten times a month. So it's not a daily occurrence, but that's why they keep us there during the show so that we can help with situations like that. And then how many times in an average night, though, are you having to make that call? It varies depending on the show. In Lion King, it was very unusual. It would maybe once or twice a month. Cirque du Soleil and Lorev are more acrobatic. Things were a lot more common and the cast was a lot larger. So the possibility of someone getting hurt was quite a bit higher. You mentioned how when you were a PT who started to work with these individuals that you were surprised at how low the injury rate was, essentially. Mm-hmm. If you think about somebody who's young now, who's a young dancer, a young gymnast, do you see this as something to really aspire to, or do you take a more conservative approach that, wow, these people put their bodies through a lot, and that's something maybe only the uh, extremely ambitious should chase? 
I think the decision of a dancer or a gymnast to continue their career into a professional show like a Las Vegas show, it's a very individual choice. What you give up is you're working every single night and often during the afternoons you have rehearsal. So family time is very limited. So a lot of the performers do have families. They do have children and, and spouses, but they find that it is literally a juggling act. And for some of them, it's easy. For some of them, it's very difficult. They feel that they're missing out on a lot of watching their children grow up. So it's not a choice that everyone would want to make, and some people really don't like it, and a lot of people thrive on it. They love having something to do every night, and they didn't want to give up gymnastics at 17 after their last Olympics. So this gives them a way to make a living at it for the first time in their lives, to keep growing, to come to Las Vegas and get to know a new city and to make a lot of new friends. Is there anything that you recommend, for example, to your dancers and acrobats and things now that would also be applicable advice to somebody who was younger? I think one of the most important things for any performer to remember is to work at the limit of their talent, but not to push into new tricks or new skills too fast before their body is ready. They have to build the appropriate strength and the appropriate flexibility and endurance. When people try to do a trick they've seen on TV or what that they saw to show that last night, sometimes they can get hurt doing that. So I would say... Slow and steady conditioning and working in steps towards the new trick is the best way to improve yourself without risking injury. For someone who's a parent of a child who's in the performing arts at whatever age, obviously their children aren't doing anything as extreme as what you see in those Vegas shows, but what can they do now to protect their child's health in either their current dance or acrobatic desires and dreams or to also give them the avenue to have a longer career? Recent studies have shown that 32 to 51 percent of pre-professional dancers, which is age 9 to 20, suffer an injury every year. Most of those injuries are in the ankle and the foot, and then the hip and the back follow as far as frequency of injury. The injury rate for professional dancers is up to 80 percent, and 90 percent of those occur when the dancer is fatigued. My best advice for parents whose children are studying dance or acrobatics or gymnastics is find a good teacher or a school or a coach who capitalize on the children's talents, but don't push them to extremes before they're ready, either mentally or physically. If your child is training or rehearsing really hard for competitions constantly or year-round, watch them carefully. And if they seem to lose their joy or enthusiasm or just their bounciness, they could be overtraining or enduring painful activities at rehearsal or practice that is too much for their bodies or for their maturity level. And I think those are the most important things to watch for. From someone who gets to see the backstage parts of these shows, what's the one thing that probably would be a biggest surprise to somebody who doesn't get to see behind the curtain? I think people would be most surprised by the the joviality and the laughter and the senses of humor that all the performers have backstage. On stage, they're so serious and they're in character, and they're concentrating very hard on doing everything right and doing the tricks correctly and not missing their landings. But backstage, everyone is great friends, and they do a lot of things to make each other laugh. Amidst the stress of trying to get athletes back on the stage, trying to get them better, do you still have space to be able to see a performance and just sort of enjoy it as a spectator to be awed by what they're able to do? We definitely do. As a matter of fact, the physical therapists backstage at Cirque and Larev, we are asked to go and watch the show at least once a month. 
and that's partly because sometimes the director will come in and make changes and they want us to know what the changes are, but mostly they want us to just go and enjoy the spectacle and appreciate what we're helping to keep together as a medical staff. And what's that feeling like to know what you're contributing to? When I go and watch the show, it's very exhilarating, and it's a very positive experience. And I feel, even though I'm not out on the stage, I feel like I have contributed to the beautiful show that they present to the audience every night. To go back to something we were talking about previously, when you see these athletes doing these extreme things, do you sometimes cringe for the extreme injury that may be coming? Or can you spot sometimes when athletes are putting themselves in, in harm's way and even potentially change what the performance involves? In my position as a backstage physical therapist, I have learned so much about what the human body is capable of. I am constantly surprised by what these performers can do without getting hurt, and they do it twice a night, night after night. Sometimes things that I see, I shake my head and I think we are going to be treating that soon. But again, I'm surprised by how rare it is that they get injured by acrobatic tricks and choreography that they rehearse gradually and slowly and work their way into it. Do they cross-train, or they basically just seem to specialize in what they're doing? How do you keep these people from breaking down? I do encourage them to cross-train. For example, when I was working at Lion King, the dancers do a lot of modern choreography, and they felt like their ankles and their knees were getting very compressed by all the jumps that they had to do on a hard stage because it's not a forgiving floor like you would have in a dance studio. It's a metal stage. And my most common advice that I gave out was, to do yoga, which they loved because it's very similar to dance. But my other suggestion was to swim because as you're swimming, it de-weights your body and it kind of stretches your joint in the opposite way that gravity compresses it. And so I encourage them to swim quite a bit and also to weight train, which dancers don't like to do because they feel like that makes their muscles too big. But it's important for someone who's dancing six nights a week to have strong hips and core to prevent injury. So where does this go? Will you always be a performing arts PT? Are you hooked now? I am absolutely hooked on it. In fact, now that I'm used to working from 6 p.m. to 12 midnight, it's very hard to go back. I bet. When you look back over the years of your doing this, has there been a highlight, either a favorite show or a performance or anything like that? The highlight from my experience in Las Vegas working backstage at Cirque du Soleil was the opening of the show O at the Bellagio Hotel. It was my first experience working at a casino. It was my first experience working for a Cirque du Soleil show. And to see the pageantry and the glamour and all the work that went into putting that show together, the months and months of creation and costuming and rehearsals and exhaustion and the motivation of everyone involved, it was so impressive and then that opening night just to see everything come together was something I'll never forget. Awesome. Andrea Breskin, thank you for spending time with us and giving us a unique peek into this world. Thank you, Jason. It was my pleasure. Thank you for listening to Move Forward Radio. Insight from our guests is for informational purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. Learn more about how a physical therapist can help you and find a physical therapist in your area at moveforwardpt.com. For an archive of past episodes, visit moveforwardpt.com radio.